This is the Truth Warrior Podcast with your host, David Whitehead. Well, there we go. There we go. We're on. We're live. Welcome to Truth Warrior, everybody. My name is David Whitehead. Happy to be here with you today. It is January, Monday, January 16th, 2023. And they are kicking off the Davos 2023 meeting right now, absent some really key players, which is really interesting. So there's some interesting things going on. There's lots of information rolling out that I want to cover with you today. Welcome. So glad to have you here. Um, I, I was going to actually do a different show today, but I'm going to postpone it. It's going to be a good one. And it was actually kicked off by a question that I saw on Twitter. And I want to take a crack at it down the line. And then I found somebody that wrote an entire Substack about it that I'm going to bring on in a few weeks. Let me just uh, show you what I'm talking about. You can go follow me on Twitter at Truth Warrior Dad. And this person on Twitter was just asking this question something I cannot figure. If the vaccine was meant to kill, why kill off the obedient population and not the defiant ones? That's a good one. That's kind of going around right now. Everybody's catching on and just asking this question. I just kind of sort of tongue in cheek put it this way. I said, well, they need the strong and competent workers and entrepreneurs as the superior slaves. Mindless sheep won't cut it in the future they want to build. This whole thing was a tryout to see who makes the final team. I don't know, guys. I was just sort of speculating on that. And then uh, someone sent me this. Uh, Starfire Codes, you can follow her over at starfirecodes.substack.com. She wrote this very interesting substack talking about something that I hadn't looked at in a while, but it makes sense. And it's covering the nine satanic sins. And it's just an interesting look at some of the world of the occult, some of the beliefs that they have, and uh, a possible way of understanding how these people think if that's indeed who's running this whole thing that's going on. So I'm going to be doing a show with the author of this Substack. Let me just show it to you. Um, you can go and check it out. It's all listed here. You can subscribe. Very, very interesting write-up. And as I was talking about this idea on my Telegram channel, and of course you can get me over at t.me forward slash dwtruthwarrior on Telegram. I have some really awesome people over there. Probably my most active uh, social media next to my Twitter. And some other people started commenting and giving their ideas, you know, and it's, it's great. We're getting different perspectives on this. So I want to do a show down the line to answer this question and just put it out there, see what you think. Why do you think if this really is some kind of a depopulation agenda, if the agenda is for control over land resources and wealth, and they just need to knock a few people out of the way, whatever it is, we're trying to comprehend, you know, what could be the, the aim of something that is clearly an evil agenda. I mean, what else could it be with what are the things we've seen and some of the things that I'm going to show you today and that I'm sure everybody's looking at, you start asking the question, why, what's motivating this? Some of it doesn't make sense. And so that's what we do here. We think about these questions. We put the information out there. We try to put the puzzle together and see if we can't come upon the truth. So looking forward to that show. It's such a great question. I've got so many more ideas on it, but I'll save it for then. Today, I just want to kind of go through some news with you, some latest things that are coming out that caught my eye. Um, and just to show you that the narrative is collapsing. It's not the Great Reset anymore. It's the Great Narrative Collapse. 
and you can just see it and feel it everywhere, talking to different people that are really starting to see what's going on as we experience more of this new normal and people aren't liking it and they're starting to ask some serious questions, which is a good sign. So, um, so yeah, that's going to be good. We're going to go through some of the things that I've been looking at and in the chat, please let me know some of the things that you've been checking out. It's so hard to keep track of everything these days because of how much is flying at me here. And I'm sure you feel the same, but that's a good sign. That's a good sign because that means, uh, there is simultaneous propaganda with simultaneous drops of truth. And, uh, we're all just trying to get it out there and get to the bottom of this. But I want to start with something really interesting here because how many more, how much more evidence do we need that there's something really fishy going on? I mean, how much more evidence for people like us, we probably don't need any more evidence, but we're getting it anyways. And that's a good thing because it's getting to a point of being just completely undeniable that they lied to us in so many different ways surrounding so many different issues. It seems like there's multiple scams unraveling before our eyes. And I even put a tweet out that it went pretty viral, which means a lot of people are thinking the same thing. And I was asking that, I'm like, is it just me or are all the scams, all the wheels falling off all the scams simultaneously right now? And I think a lot of people are feeling that. Uh, there's a lot of people that still feel like there's nothing good happening whatsoever, but I disagree with them. And so that's good. It's good that people are starting to really see that there has been a lot of scams in play for quite some time. It all ties to the same people and organizations. It's all supported by the same lapdog mainstream media. And what's happening is reality is not matching what's being told to us. And that is really helping to wake up more people. So that is a good sign. But I just want to show you this clip just to bring you back to some history here that if you remember back in the seventies with the swine flu thing, they actually recalled the shots really early on. And this clip is the clip that you play for your doctor, your friends and family who are still fast asleep to what's really happening here, because it asks a very simple question when you watch it. So let's watch it and then I'll come back and we'll discuss it a little bit. This is a great clip. Here we are. This is Channel 7's 11 o'clock Action News with Bill Bonds, John Kelly, and Detroit's number one news team. Good evening, everybody. I'm Bill Bonds, and here's a look at what's happening tonight. And what's happening is that the swine flu vaccination program ground to a halt from coast to coast today. There have been now 12 reported deaths so far, with victims dying just a few hours after receiving those inoculative shots. All of the victims were elderly persons, and all, we are told, died of apparent heart attacks. In the state of Michigan, the state health director, Maurice Risen, ordered a stop to all swine flu shots after three Michigan men died hours after receiving their vaccinations. Health officials estimate that 10,000 Michigan people have already received their shots, and President Gerald Ford told ABC Television News tonight that he intends to get his vaccination. This is Channel 7's 11 <laughs> Wow, a couple key things there. First of all, it was only a few deaths that actually got them to pull the shots off the market. 
and go against it. Even though Ford, of course, is still like, no, 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 because he's still getting money from the pharmaceutical lobby uh, to keep pushing the thing, even though people are dying. But they still pulled it off. They rolled it back. How many deaths do you think we've had from these injections? Like, I'm sure we've had at least that many, right? Under 10 was what they, I think it was 10 or 12. I can't remember the number. And yet I'm sure we've got way more happening now. And yet they're still pushing this like nothing happened. The media here in Canada is pretending like it's still 2020, that the science of 2020, the science is still science, is still legit, even though we've had three years now to have doctors, experts, journals, data, research, experience, watching people dropping dead on live television in record numbers, sudden death all over the place. It's affecting people you know. It's getting closer and closer, right? Everybody's experiencing the opposite of what we're being told. And so the question of that video after you play it for somebody that's still not sure about this is what changed from the 70s till now in terms of health policy? Why in the 70s would they pull it, pull it down after they noticed even a hint that it was killing people, like the actual shot was killing people? And did you notice that they died of heart attacks? They died of heart attacks. So what changed in the policy? It's a pretty simple question. So if you get up against the wall with somebody, I think that's a pretty good one to start with and get them hopefully thinking about it. But let's just quickly switch over because we've got this Davos thing going on. I just got a quick little thing from Reuters to sum it up, uh, just to hear what they're saying. But I find it interesting that we're missing a few people this year. We're missing George Soros, who tweeted out that he can't make it. Klaus Schwab can't make it due to some kind of health concern, allegedly. Trudeau's pulling out. Macron is pulling out. Those are four key WF people, including the chairman of the World Economic Forum, that aren't attending what they originally called the biggest gathering of elites in world history for this year. It was supposed to be the biggest event yet. So let's just check out the Reuters clip, and then I'll come back to you here. A record number of government and business leaders will descend on the picturesque Swiss ski resort of Davos this month and discuss global challenges as the World Economic Forum's annual winter event returns. Criticized by some as a social club for the jet set that merely adds carbon footprint, the forum boasts it can bring together decision makers at a time of growing geopolitical mistrust. Its founder, Klaus Schraub, said, we're all stuck in a crisis mindset. And that leads to short-term decision-making that may have long-term unintended damaging consequences. Davos should help to shift that mindset. The last in-person Davos winter gathering was in 2020, just days before the COVID-19 outbreak was declared a global health emergency. While the Russian delegation will be conspicuously absent, the forum's president, Borgi Brande, expects 52 heads of state and government to show up next to 35 foreign ministers. We expect a high-level Chinese uh, delegation um, and participation. We have the new presidents from Korea, the Philippines, and also high-level delegations from other Asian countries. Organizers said Ukraine would send another senior delegation and there would be discussions about the ongoing war. 
this trick to get interesting, right? Interesting that, uh, of course, they're like, well, the Russian delegations are going to be conspicuously absent. And after, shortly after this video was released, uh, we found out that even Klaus Schwab himself is going to be conspicuously absent, which is interesting. So I don't know what's going on, why that happened, but uh, there it is. Now, one of the things, <laughs> oh my God, this is going to be funny. One of the things that I really wanted to do in today's show was to talk about some of the recent statements from Sam Harris, who is still beating the drum. And anyways, let's just go through a few of these comments and um, I'll just, we'll take it through this one by one. Take it away, Sam. In one way, I mean, we got very lucky that COVID wasn't worse than it was, right? You know, it could have been much, much worse. It could have been 10 times as deadly or or you know 50 times as deadly and we would have we would have lived through or many of us wouldn't have lived through something truly awful but um had covid been worse you know uh, just enough worse to really get our attention to really be undeniable we would have had a different political conversation around it there wouldn't Okay, so he opens up with this argument, which is really weird to me, because like, if we would have, it could have, should have, would have. It's like he starts rolling out his argument with a fantasy of what could have been, but wasn't. <laughs> like, how do you start a critique of people that are questioning what's going on or not wanting to take this experimental mRNA technology under duress and force and coercion? Um, this is sort of aimed at that group, no doubt. And people that are questioning it and you're like well you're already opening up with a statement about something that didn't happen but if it did happen this way then things would have been different so i just thought that's an odd argument to start with but let's continue there wouldn't have been the same kind of vaccine skepticism right brett weinstein would not have been releasing 80 straight podcasts on the dangers of the vaccine if a few variables were changed. I mean, just just take that. Leave COVID exactly as it is, but just make it preferentially dangerous to children rather than to old people, right? Just flip that around. The, the the variable of age. If kids were dying by the hundreds of thousands from from COVID at a rate of whatever it was, you know, one percent, say. Um, but if it was pretty much all kids, we we would have had a very different experience, right? And right. and the patience, that there would have been no fucking patience for vaccine skepticism, right? So if kids died, which speaking of kids, Sam, uh, they were actually, it was shown that throughout the entire pandemic, the mortality rate of children during a regular seasonal flu season was higher than the pandemic. So saying if kids did, we wouldn't have any of these questions about vaccine hesitancy and Brett Weinstein and so many others wouldn't have gone on and started doing shows trying to bring on experts and scientists to give you a different perspective. Um, what are you talking if? It, that's not what happened. The opposite happened. It wasn't kids. As many of these respiratory viruses or whatever you want to call them go around, elderly people, people with deficient immune systems, people that are not healthy, People that are overweight, people that suffer from diabetes, these are the targets for any sickness in the world because living in that state is, is sickness itself. So any extra burden on the body is going to cause it to 
have all kinds of problems, right? So that was known. We, we knew about that. And then to say we wouldn't have any of this, this hesitancy around vaccines. Well, we also have to ask the question, why is it, why are they so obsessed with equating this argument as if the vaccine is the only solution? See, that's a lot of the interviews that were being done that he probably didn't watch, which were to say, we're not saying don't do anything. That's this, I'm just going to come back, but when I, you know what, we'll keep it going. I don't want to keep delaying this. We got to get through this video. Um, the vaccine is the hyper-focus of the solution. It's the holy grail. It's the new focal point. It's the talisman. It's the symbol that was put into the public mind as the only way back to freedom, the only way back to their lives, the only way back to normal, the only way back to health, the only way to resolve the fear. They hyper-focused the entire planet on this one object. And they did not talk. They actually censored and went on an entire campaign to censor and derail legitimate medical experts of which Sam Harris is not. He's an author. That's it. Medical experts that had questions about that particular shot. And that they were wondering why early treatment, which was known as something that could have saved lots of people, why was that not discussed? Why was that not pushed? Why were no protocols given to the hospitals? Why were they sending people home to wait for a year and a half to get a shot that now has been proven to not work? It's been admitted to not work. You've got cruise ships, 100% jab capacity, COVID breakouts, military vessels, countries that have high level vaccination rates. You can go by province, you can go by state. You can look at Israel. There's so much data that all these other experts who know what they're talking about were coming out to say, there's some problems here with this shot. We're worried about this. And yet all they can say is, well, if a bunch of kids died, then we wouldn't have this problem with vaccine hesitancy. And this is the problem. It's as if they're saying people that don't want this vaccine and would prefer natural treatments, early treatments, known, proven therapeutics, etc., that they're somehow people that don't want to solve the problem. That's how they're equating it in the public mind. And that's how I know this is propaganda and sophistry. It's, it's, it's precluding the entire subject. So you're pigeonholing it into one focal point, which is the shot. And now... Pfizer executives admitting in Dutch parliament, European parliament, that they never tested for transmission to stop transmission. We're seeing it with our eyes. We're seeing it in the data that this thing doesn't stop transmission. We've got admissions coming out now. They're backpedaling. They've retracted studies that I'm sure you read and now are referencing and not realizing that those are retracted or superior studies have been done to show that those studies were deficient. And now we have new data that contradicts those studies. So if it was way deadlier, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Are you sure? Because now we are going to have this conversation because there's this real problem that we have where now the people that are jabbed are getting the disease they were jabbed to defend against. And they're getting a lot of other things that they didn't have before. Like blood clots, thrombosis, strokes, heart attacks, myocarditis, pericarditis, every kind of ditis that you can list 
And you're also not bringing into the fact that we had to force Pfizer to release their internal data of their own clinical studies and projecting out what they saw as possible side effects. They were forced to release that early under court order because otherwise that company wanted to make the entire world wait 75 years to see that data. Does that sound like science to you? Does that sound like um, the, the process of, does that sound like you're doing something benevolent here? Or does that sound like you're covering something up? So what if, if it did, it's not what happened. So we can't talk about things that what if it happened that way when they didn't happen that way. We got to go with what actually happened, which is that children, it, the risk is negligible at this point. And now you want to just make, you're conflating the normal vaccine schedule, which we could do a whole show on just to show that there's still some issues with that, with this, which is a totally new technology. And you're just saying, oh, it's safe, it's safe, it's safe. I don't know what everybody's problem is. And we wouldn't have had to deal with all these anti-vaxxers if more children died. Like, is that seriously the argument? What is Sam Harris's obsession with dead children? He keeps coming out with these weird comments that make me go, why are you keep trying to bring this up? And we know he's trying to appeal to a certain demographic of people. But sorry, let's continue here. And we, everyone would have recognized that this is not my body, my choice. This is, you're not going to kill my kids. With Wait, 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 wait. My body, my choice. <laughs> you're not going to kill my kids. Wow. Like, think about this argument. My body, my choice. It's funny you brought that up, Sam, because right before this pandemic, we had the my body, my choice protests, which were around the right to abortion, which is essentially killing a fetus before it can become a child. We all started as a fetus. They want to, they want to have the right to interrupt that. I'm not even going to get into that debate right now, but that was the slogan. My body, my choice was the battle so that the government doesn't have the right to come in and tell you which way you want to do it. And that was your side of the political aisle, Sam, was advocating for that right and demonizing anybody that was trying to bring up the argument for human rights, et cetera, right? The right of the child. And now you want to bring the argument of, no, 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 you don't have a right to kill my child. Therefore, the my body, my choice argument goes out the window. It's, you're oozing contradiction at this moment. It's unbelievable. With your, with your ignorance. Right. Okay. Right. And you change one other variable. What if the vaccines actually really did block transmission much better than they in fact did? Right. What if? What if? Let's keep going in an in a, an alternate universe that doesn't exist and just keep going. What if? What if? What if? Notice he has to say what if, because none of these threats that he's using as an argument to say we should have all just done it and why are we got all these complaining people talking about freedom and they're on anti-vax. And, and you have to use a fairyland argument that doesn't, a fantasy land that doesn't exist. That's your argument to try to bolster your position. None of the things that you're bringing up actually happen in reality, right? So uh, where, what is this? You're calling us ignorant? Like, I don't, I don't get where you're going with this, other than the fact that you're wrong and you're just trying to sound smart, I guess. I don't know. And then there was a moment where it was only rational to expect them to block transmission. Turns out they don't, don't do it nearly as much as we would hope. Okay. So there was a point when it was more than rational because he made this argument against, I'm not sure who it was, Steve Kirsch or somebody else like that, who had been t screaming from the beginning, these aren't going to stop transmission. It's going to make it worse. We find out it's true. 
Now they have to backpedal. But his argument is, yeah, but he wasn't justified at the time for believing that. So therefore, he's still wrong, even though he ended up being proven completely right. Because <laughs> here we are. Here we are right now. What kind of a defense is this? It's not a defense. It's not a defense at all. Because you can't make the argument that things that didn't happen are the reason we should have just trusted it. <laughs> at this point. Uh, they just shorten the window by which, you know, during which transmission is possible. Uh, uh, if they're even doing that now, I don't know. They aren't, Sam. They aren't. And I don't think they ever did. But um, let's say the vaccines really did block transmission, but then nothing else was, you know, all of the other Michigas about how, you know, untested they are and how dangerous they yet might be. And this They are untested. It's not mega. What's that word? Megagosh? Megamosh? It, that they were untested. They were rushed to production. They didn't, che- they didn't test them on pregnant women. They didn't test them for transmission, admitted European Parliament, Pfizer executive. There's loads of side effects that they found before they released the shot. They had to get emergency use authorization to bring it out. One of the qualifiers to have emergency use authorization come into effect to allow for this untested shot to be pushed on the entire planet was that there is no alternative, of course, of which now we know there was, because we have numerous studies to show that many of these therapeutics and alternative methods, early treatment, et cetera, did an amazing job, an amazing job, and didn't leave people with myocarditis. Didn't give people what we're now calling Pfizer heart. There's a term for it. It's that bad, Sam. It's called Pfizer heart. Just go look it up. Plenty of testimony out there. Plenty of evidence. How many more athletes and singers and people in their prime have to drop dead of unknown causes, cardiac arrest, etc., sudden death? Before we're even going to just go look at it, we don't have to make the conclusion yet. We don't have to go there if you're afraid to go there. We don't have to do We see enough smoke to know there's a fire. And why? Is it this product and not all the other products that we're worried about? Or sorry, switch that around. Why are we, if any other product, let me put it this way, if any other product had these kind of problems, it would have been pulled off so quick that you wouldn't have even seen it. But because it's this, and mind you, they're still pushing it as if there's no problems here in Canada and probably elsewhere as well. And we have known indisputable evidence that anybody can look at, that they don't stop transmission, which means what's the point, what do they do, and they cause harm. Why are you still defending this? Why not just go, oh, let's find another alternative. Let's do a moratorium and do an actual scientific investigation, because that's what it is, right? We got flaws in the thesis. Let's go look at it again and see where those flaws can be resolved. And in order to do that, we need experts from their fields to come in and weigh in. Get Dr. Byron Bridal up here. Get Dr. Peter McCullough. Get Gerd Vandenbosch. Get Malone. Get all these guys, the mainstream doctors that are, have a totally different case to present and sit them down and let's have this discussion and let's see all this evidence. The fact that they never did that even once tells you everything you need to know. Spike protein and blah, blah, blah. Leave- Spike protein, blah, blah, blah. Yep. That's not blah, blah, blah. That's legit. We have to be concerned about that. 
all that in place. Just give me a little more transmission blockage and give me kids being preferentially killed or, or injured by yeah, this, right. this disease. The, it, the, the obscenity of much of what, uh, was said, what much of what was said about COVID at the time at which it was said, you know, the, 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 the conspiracy thinking, the platforming of people who were obviously unwell. And so at the time when people were saying there is something going on that you're calling a conspiracy because you like that term because you know it's a weaponized term. Um, at the time, people that were questioning the safety and the efficacy of this shot, because they couldn't have known what we now have confirmed to be true, they are somehow wrong. I don't understand this argument. So he's acting like he's talking to them as if they are wrong, even though they have been vindicated. And yet he's saying, yeah, but in the time that they made those conspiracy theory statements, which have now been vindicated, at the time they weren't vindicated, so therefore they're crazy, they're wrong, they're stupid, they're ignorant, they're this, they're that. Are you, like, what planet is your head on right now? Unbalanced, professionally and mentally, around vaccines uh, and their skepticism. The patient's isn't skepticism part of the scientific process? Did I miss something? I, I just thought that that was part of it. Like you should be skeptical as you're, even when you make a theory, you should stay skeptical, health, a healthy, a healthy skepticism, because you have to know that, especially with a product we've never used before, where even the people that made it had like pages and pages of side effect potentials and they didn't do long-term safety, that if we go and we start seeing safety signals coming out, that we might want to go to some other experts and start comparing data and hearing them out. Maybe these experts didn't just make it up on a hunch or they didn't go to some crystal ball divination place and try to get the future read to them. They didn't read tea leaves. Maybe they actually did science and found these issues and just tried to bring that to the discussion and they were just shut down and censored and shut and everybody made fun of them. And yet here they stand vindicated and all you have to say is, yeah, but back then we didn't know those things. No, no, you didn't know those things, Sam. They did. They are medical experts and you are not. And so you're not in any position, just as Bill Gates is not in any position, just as Tedros is not in any position, because none of these guys have legit medical degrees to start telling people who do have, according to you and the way you think the whole process should be run with the hierarchy of medical degrees and who has the most education, et cetera. If we use your own argument against you, you fall flat on your face because you're not in any position here to make such a claim. If, if you brought in Dr. Peter McCullough to sit across from you while you're making this statement, what would he say? And then what would you say in response? You'd have nothing to say because he knows what he's talking about and you don't, period. So what, what's your argument right now? The vaccines are hurting people, documented, indisputable, admitted. The, the vaccines don't work. Documented, indisputable, admitted. Why, do, why are we still here right now having this chat? I don't understand. For that would have been non-existent, right? And so, we, so in, in some sense, we got unlucky. Uh, at how ah, it's lucky. We got unlucky. It was just a we had a bad luck. Us people who were pushing this experimental mRNA technology, it was just we were just unlucky. Really, you just want to chalk it up to luck? 
how benign this was and how mysterious it it could yet seem because yeah you could you could run the argument well did he die from covid or with covid he was 80 years old right um well not all the 80 year olds either we had guys that like died in motorcycle accidents who died from the impact of hitting something in a motorcycle accident and then they go in the hospital and they still run a test and it turns out the test comes back positive and he's listed as a COVID death when he died from the motorcycle accident. So there's a lot of that. And that was some of the data that actual experts were looking into and trying to warn people about to say, hey, that's kind of weird, isn't it? Why are they diagnosing people as dying of COVID when, first of all, we have questions about the test to begin with. And second of all, they didn't die of the disease. They died of something else. They died with the disease, allegedly. But we got questions. Like, how are you making that conclusion? That that's somehow a valid place, a valid argument. I don't get it. We, you know, that was the situation we were in. I'm saying that there, there, there are changes in the real world that could have happened and could yet happen that would, be, would have been immensely clarifying. Right. And there just would have been no there would have been no less. It's, it, just that I'm just asking questions routine would have not gotten anyone anywhere worth going. Right. And that's um, I think there. So, you know, to, part of what we're talking about here is, you know, with respect to Trump and with respect to covid are just contingent facts of these you know unique situations, which had they been a little bit different. um we would we wouldn't have fragmented in the same way had they it's all just i can't even do any more there's nothing really more to it you can go check out the clip i uh, was shared by jimmy door uh, his little quote if the vaccine actually worked the way they said it did and if covid-19 was way deadlier than it turned out to be and if it wasn't benign to children but killed lots of children instead then we could have shut people up who disagree with me a lot easier <laughs> Like that's, that's the argument the guy's making. Wow. That is amazing. That is amazing. And now guys, I'm just, I know you guys already know this stuff. Anybody's watching this show, but I also know I get a lot of new people showing up. So welcome. Um, I've been trying to document this the best I can and bring on experts to talk about this from the other side so that you can see that side. And I'm sa I'm sorry that the media and the government and the pharmaceutical industry colluded together to block an alternative perspective on all of this and all the data and the research that was done by experts in their fields that ended up contra their conclusions ended up contradicting whatever the world health organization was saying. And so therefore they were silenced. And yet here we are and they are vindicated. So where do we go from here? And how do we even have people like Sam Harris coming out and having that kind of an argument? Like, are people believing that? Is that like, how, I'm, I'm really curious how this is going to keep going because this isn't, there's so much evidence coming out. We've got the Twitter files dropping all over the place, indicating there was direct collusion with the government, with the media, with big tech to suppress information that has now been vindicated that could, and if that information hadn't been suppressed, if those experts and doctors hadn't been censored, if platforms like this hadn't been censored and so many others, we could have saved lives. And yet because of that corruption, more people died than they needed to die. 
and that's all you have to say for yourself. I'm curious as it keeps going, cause more is going to keep coming. This isn't going away for these people. They're going to run and squirm and dodge and craft their best sophist arguments that they've got. They're going to sound smart, but sounding smart and being smart are two very different things. So how's it going to go for them as this continues to unravel as the narrative continues to unravel? It's going to be an interesting show to watch for sure. Uh, what else we got? Oh, I just like this quote just to help keep everybody positive from C.S. Lewis, just about the overall thing. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And that needs to be the mindset of you, of me, of everybody, of anybody working in the field of health, anybody who really genuinely cares about getting to the truth and actually saving lives. We have to change things moving forward on all of these fronts. And we can, we can change the ending, but we can't change the ending until we can admit where the failures were in the past. And if the real story gets exposed, the truth is the only way out of this. It's the only way out. I'll just get through some of these. Um, yeah. Just to give you an idea of how prevalent the pharmaceutical cult of the medics is. Um, I won't play this whole, I won't play this clip, but just go check this out. It's an interesting discussion between um, Oliver and this other doctor from England. The level of denial and cognitive dissonance is off the charts. I think Oliver did really good on this one. So go check out that clip. Uh, something else. Yeah. So here we go. New piece from the Twitter files, how the pharmaceutical industry lobbied social media to shape context around, vac around vaccine policy. The push included direct pressure from Pfizer partner BioNTech to censor activists demanding low-cost generic vaccines for low-income countries. So he just goes through this thread, showing the whole trail, and this kind of stuff. I'll let you guys go and read. I'm not going to go through it all with you, but go and look up this thread. There's numerous others as well. And just start going and doing the digs. All the data is there. And um, what they're doing is illegal. It's scientific fraud and more. Yeah, there you go. George Soros, unavoidable scheduling conflict. I can't attend the Davos meeting, even though it's supposed to be the biggest one ever. Yeah, let's move on from that. Okay. So this is interesting. Let's get into the WEF a little bit. And let's start off with uh, this little statement from this woman here. And this is Robin Minotti just saying, the real purpose of mass mRNA injections was, to, was not to save lives, but to normalize a new pharma market of mRNA gene modifications because the patents of normal medicines are all expiring and pharma profits are nosediving. So let's just see what this clip's all about here. So this is a precision tool that now allows uh, us to take this protein RNA complex and introduce it into cells or tissues to correct mutations at sites where we know there's a deleterious change in the genetic code. So I wanted to show you an example of how this can be utilized. This um, protein complex can actually be injected directly into fertilized eggs of a mouse, 
And in the experiment, you'll see we're targeting a gene that is responsible for the black coat color in mice. And so normally, these mice have beautiful, glossy black coats. And once we make this targeted change, we then implant these edited eggs back into a, a female mouse. And when she gives birth to pups, you'll see that the pups are now mostly white. And the remarkable thing about this experiment is that the, when these mouse mice grow up, you can test them and show that every cell in the body has this single genetic change that gives rise to the white coat color, but otherwise they're absolutely normal. So they are normal mice, no mutations elsewhere in the genome. This is a type of experiment that used to take a, at least a year to create a, a mouse like this, and now it can be done in a few weeks um, and by people that don't have to have special expertise. So this is a uh, technology has over the, it's been very exciting over the last two and a half years to see this technology taking off. These are publications in the scientific literature. It's been sort of exponential growth of publications, people using this technology for all sorts of applications. And so uh, some of these include making changes in targeted genetic changes in plants, in uh, fungi, in uh, animals that are important agriculturally, in animals that are important to us as pets, um, and also for, in thinking about human health, also uh, to do things like make changes in stem cells, which are cells that can give rise to new organs. Uh, also to make changes in animals that are important as uh, models of human disease, such as mice and monkeys. And we think within the not too distant future, it will be possible to actually use this technology to make changes in humans. Ew, really? So what Klaus Schwab was saying uh, not so long ago when he's like, gene editing will allow us to change you. It's the great reset is not to just change the economy or the governments. It's to change you. <laughs> and here they are talking about all the experiments that they've exponentially been doing more of, working with all these different lab animals. And now we're the lab animals, guys. Who's doing that? Who wants to? These people want to have godlike powers to literally alter nature. And they think they can do it without there being any reper repercussions. They th and, and just historically, whenever man goes against nature, nature always wins. So I'm really curious to see how they're going to come back from that, um, especially as we're seeing what already the de devastation with this first round of whatever the hell this new technology is. Do you trust these people? to take over control of your government, your health facilities, your meat, everything, and control everything? Does it look like a benign new world order is what I'm asking you? Do you really trust these Frankenstein scientists that are talking about editing human genes and editing the genes of all the things you eat and editing the genes of all the animals and the cattle and the farm animals that you eat until I guess they phase them out and then you have to eat the bugs? These are the <laughs> this is insane. Uh, this is insanity. It's like I'm watching the, the precursor to one of those horror movies. You know, it's unbelievable. This is from uh, Election Wizard from Daily Mail. Almost three years since the coronavirus pandemic took hold, CNN medical analyst and Washington Post columnist Dr. Leanna Wen has admitted the medical community's overcounting the number of COVID deaths and hospitalizations. So one of the number one Pushers of all those brand new, never before used disease policies 
is now starting to turn around and admit that they were overcounting the deaths. So do we get to go back now and go, oh, guys, they were overcounting the deaths. Let's find out how much they were overcounting the deaths. All those, remember that CNN had the ticker on the bottom? It's all subliminal programming to keep everybody paralyzed with fear. And now they're, oh yeah, guys, sorry, our bad. How many our bads have we seen in the last month, let alone the last year? Our bad, oops, our bad. Yeah, I guess it doesn't stop transmission, our bad. 96%, remember this? 96% effective. Weeks later, 86% effective. Weeks later, 42% effective. Weeks later, 26% effective. Now, um, we didn't test for efficacy at all. Keep trusting us. <laughs> oh, and we're going to admit it. <laughs> and, and Sam Harris is still going to keep rolling out the old arguments. Uh, <laughs> what is this? Ugh. It's okay, guys. We got this. You and I are here. We're fighting. We're awake. We know what's going on. Don't panic. These guys, their credibility is plummeting into the floor. Crystal Awards Ceremony 2023. Okay, it looks like Schwab turned out for some kind of a ceremony event and had a little statement. So he comes down to do an opening speech at the World Economic Forum's 2023 annual meeting early this evening. And he makes a little statement here. Let's see what he's saying. And then he had a health issue and now he's not attending the event. But either way, let's just hear about the Klaus Schwab. Let's just say about... The future. Good evening, and a very cordial welcome to the annual meeting 2023. Is this like the I beginning of a Bond movie? This cordial welcome on behalf of the Board of Trustees and my colleague, Jorge Brand is the president and all the members of the management board, as well as all the people who are here to make your stay here enjoyable and productive. We couldn't meet at a more challenging time. We are confronted with so many crises simultaneously. That we have created to master the future. We want to master the future. To have a platform where all stakeholders of global society are engaged. Governments, business, civil society, the young generation. All the places we penetrated first. It's the first step to meet all the challenges. Only if we are involved with all our passion to construct and to shape the future, I'm convinced we will overcome the present multi-crisis. So again, a very cordial welcome, and I would like to ask Hilde Schwab to come up and... A very cordial welcome. And his voice does sound a little hoarse there. 
maybe this is the, the beginning of his illness that took him out. Um, but he's basically, we are here to shape the new world. And look at the slogan of the World Economic Forum, which is improving the state of the world. What an interesting slogan that is. Eh? I've, I've broken it down before, but it, it, if you think about that statement, improving the state of the world, the state could be the state of things, or it could be the state, the government state, the world state, the world government, improving the state of the world, improving the government of the world. And we have to come with all our passion to improve the state of things, of all the crisis that my good friend Bill Gates and friends help create in the world so we can improve the state of the world and use this as a global opportunity to reshape the world in our image. That's their argument. <laughs> this pandemic was an opportunity for us. Christia Freeland, who I think is there, I think she made it. Trudeau didn't go. I don't know what's going on. He must have too many of the socks didn't get matched up. He couldn't get his socks matched up in time. So he's like, just go without me. I can't go without the right sock drawer ready to go. So we just move on. Don't worry about it. I'll just tune in remotely from the Bahamas. And uh, so he's not going to go help reshape the future. He doesn't seem to have the passion that Klaus Schwab's asking for. Uh, but they're sending Christia Freeland, who's also said, yeah, the pandemic was a great opportunity politically to bring in world socialism. <laughs> We'll just name it something else, but don't worry about that. Um, and so, yeah, they're they're all meeting down there right now. I don't know how many made it. I'm curious to see what the final list is. But I don't know why. Why do you guys think that uh, Macron, Soros, Schwab, Trudeau, a few others, they're not showing up? I th I find that interesting. There's something going on there. All right, what's the next one? This is another, uh, this just opened up. This is Bastion Gurod. Let's see what his shtick is. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, what's important for, for policy is really to change the, the rules of the game, no? So that uh, oh. sustainability becomes the easier choice, not just for the people, but also for the companies, no? So I think an important measure in Switzerland was to have uh, support for renewable energy, for energy efficiency, but also then um, changing the way districts work. For instance, I, in Zurich, we have a lot of districts where you actually don't need a car because all the activities, no school, um, uh, buying something, everything you can do in walking distance, no? And by doing that, no, people don't buy a car and it, 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 it's not felt like um, actually they would like to have a car and, that, and they are not allowed to have it, but they simply don't need it because the environment was built in a way that they don't need it. And I think this is what policy needs to, to, to do. They have to change the environment. So a sustainable lifestyle, uh, a lifestyle in harmony with nature is the easiest way to go. And, and also for the companies, no? And, and here perhaps a last point. I really like what you said on following through, no? We had all these nice commitments. We had the Paris Agreement. We also here at World Economic Forum have every year very nice 
commitments, what's important is really to follow through and also to also shed the light. Sometimes you're very critical with those who are acting. Say there are, and we need to be critical, no, and see that there's no greenwashing, but we should also put the light on those who are not acting. And I think policy needs to try, and I think, for instance, Biden's suggestion to, that the government only buys with companies who commit to Paris, who commit to science-based targets, I think that's a smart policy. So that policy tries to leverage also the action from, from companies and somehow gets all companies to act. No? I think this is a smart way to do politics. In the end, policy needs also to be smart because, again, we need to have the buy-in from all the population, else we are not re-elected and um, change is not happening. No? Uh, That's right, else you're not re-elected as you are basically rolling out fascism as your policy. That is what you're asking for, is that we're going to have all the corporations and all the governments align under this new global policy and we're going to create the environment. See how they're talking about? They're going to change the environment so that you don't feel like they're forcing you because obviously the PR for these organizations is really bad right now. And they're trying to now come around and say, well, we're going to not just come right out and tell you, you can't have a vehicle after 2025 that isn't green, like what they're trying to do in Canada right now. Legit bills are on the table to try to uh, bring in a law where we can't buy gas-powered vehicles after what, 2025, 2026? And then they're going to start phasing it out like they're doing with all your firearms and all the other stuff. Instead of that approach, he's saying, we'll just recreate all the cities. We'll create smart cities. What are they, what's the other term? Oh, 15-minute smart neighborhoods. That's what they're called, 15-minute smart neighborhoods. That way you create a, a, a smart neighborhood where you don't need to go and explore past the boundary of your district. It's called the district, guys. It's called the district, like Hunger Games. We're in districts now. And you're in a 15-minute district, just like in China, and you don't have to leave that district because everything you want from all the mega corporations that are going to be the only corporations left and it'll be the end of entrepreneurialism and small business um, unless you're approved, unless you have the approval from the new world government and you have to hit all the Paris Accord agreements and the whole all that red tape in order to actually operate. Uh, you now don't have to leave your neighborhood ever again. You don't have to travel anywhere. You can just stay in that little spot and we'll just service you. And that's it. It's kind of like how they do experiments with lab rats, where you can test the individual lab rats and keep changing the conditions constantly. But if instead you just alter the entire environment, you can get different outcomes. You can get different desired outcomes because then the animal starts to identify with that new environment that you created. And now it's decisions and impulses are driven by the environment. So you don't have to change the individual anymore. You can just change the environment and the individual will adapt to the change of the environment. So they're saying that we're going to change your economic environment. We're going to change the environment of your cities. We're going to change the way your government does everything. And we're going to bring the corporations in the mix and everybody's coming to the table as a part of essentially a new world governing system. And we're also going to add AI and edit gene editing and all that other stuff and mass surveillance into the mix. And, and who the hell wants to live in that world? 
all based on the initial Club of Rome documents and proposals and their books and their think tank, which brought about organizations like this and policies like this back in the day that is based on in order to save the planet, we have to destroy Western civilization top to bottom. We have to do away with the concept of freedom and personal sovereignty. We have to do away with the concept of private property ownership. We have to do away with the concept of bodily autonomy, except in certain approved areas only. And um, we have to now create this new cybernetic technocracy uh, that will basically dictate to every human being what they're allowed to do and what they're not. And if you've just seen as of recent, the level of micromanagement that your government is now engaged with since this pandemic, like compared before the pandemic to now and look at the change in the way your government works with you. And you're, we're just at the beginning stages of what they want to bring in. So they're just, they're just outright saying it. And it sounds like a bloody nightmare to me. I don't know. What do you think? Does that sound like a future you want to get into? And all of it's based off a threat, the threat of viruses, the threat of climate change, the threat of this, the threat of that. Therefore, we are going to make these massive changes to human society, and we're going to alter human behavior, and we're going to change everything you think you know, and that's going to fix all the problems. Really? Yeah, look at this. This is just one of their ads with the gene, the, um, the RNA. Josh was posting this from Red Pills TV. Literally what every conspiracy theorist has said for the last three years. Here, here you go. Let's start it over here. talking about improving biology and redesigning organisms for beneficial purposes. It's going to allow us to not just edit genomes, but also, uh, and importantly, write a new code for life. We'll have write learning wow. permissions. We already started to see some of that this year. COVID-19 vaccines, they make use of engineered code in the form of messenger RNA. What's on the horizon are diminished reality glasses that look very much like what I'm wearing, um, that would allow you to remove things from your point of view, from your view, whether that's garbage uh, or other people. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> We're just going to get you some glasses where you can edit your reality and just edit all the yucky things out of your view that you don't want. So that way you can live in a literal matrix and uh, gene editing technology. And we introduced this with the COVID vaccines. And here we go. Like, it's admitted. W what else do you need? That's crazy. Okay. This was a good one from Kanakoa the Great. He's back on Twitter. Thank God. Um, and this is from, he's saying, did you know that gay liberal activists stormed the NIH back in 1990. They blamed Dr. Anthony Fauci for blocking cheap and effective AIDS treatments and for only promoting expensive and toxic drugs that benefited big pharma. Fauci did the exact same thing during COVID-19. Let's check this out. I'm Michael Petrellis and I'm pissed, you know? 
now the whole thing with the National Institutes of Health is they won't test any of these drugs that'll keep people alive. And, and I got this saying, no peptide T, no compound Q, Anthony Fauci, I piss on you. <laughs> because they cannot, they're not hiding all drugs and they're not coming out with the cure and they're not doing their job. We're talking about their conflict of interest with the pharmaceutical companies. We're talking about the fact that they don't allow people of color into their trials. We're talking about the fact that they don't care about women. They don't care about children. There's a blatant conflict of interest and this runs rampant through all of NIH. And this is the history of how AZT became the subject of over 80% today of the studies being done by NIH for AIDS treatments. This one drug... Wait, sorry. I just have to... I got to roll that back. I feel like I recognize this guy. Is this... Hold on. Guys. Who knew that weird Ali Yankovic used to go to these uh, kind of protests back in the day? <laughs> it's just reminded. It doesn't look like weird Al. It's probably not. I'm just joking. But sorry, guys, continue. Became the subject of over 80% today of the studies being done by NIH for AIDS treatments. This one drug that's already shown itself to be highly toxic, very expensive, and of, at best, extremely limited effectiveness. It's too toxic for me, and there's nothing which I can take. And the only drug which these people seem to have any, any concern with is AZT. Obviously, there's something going on here between the makers of AZT and the NIH. Fauci is the head of the NIH, and um, he hasn't done much in that area. 80% of the drugs are still dealing with AZT. Um, and the NIH runs the drug trial system. Staff of NIH, the very people that make the decisions about which treatments are going to get studied and which treatments are going to be ignored, are getting money from the leading drug companies to do testing of those drugs. How can those people possibly be objective? Great point. Great point. No peptide T, no compound Q. Anthony Fauci, I piss on you. Wow. So what happened to the left, man? Can you imagine the left starts to protest these people? Like, if you thought, like, if, that, if this political faction wakes up to what's going on and realize that their roots are based in battling big pharma and big government, and now they're siding with them and they have been siding with them, if they go back to their roots and wake up and realize that this is happening yet again under the, under the surveillance of the same dude and the same organizations who've been corrupt like this for decades. You were worried about a trucker convoy with some bouncy castles and some hot chocolate? What do you think these people are going to do when they wake up?
Like it's not going to be pretty. So we could all unite under this one banner of just, I don't know, human survival. That would be a good place to start. Let's unite around surviving as a species in our organic state. If we could all just get everybody around that, that would be a good start. And then go, okay, let's, let's talk about freedom and bodily autonomy. Let's get all that going. The left used to be for those things. They used to be the number one guys out there with all the protests protesting this stuff. They were against the wars, Vietnam. They were against all that stuff. Big pharma, big government, big media. They were the ones that invented those terms. And now they're calling us conspiracy theorists Nazis because we're fighting literally the same people, the same institutions with literally the same argument. And they're like, no, you're fascists. Like, what the hell? Come on, guys, go back to your roots. Go back to your roots. Um, this one's just a sort of like back burner. I don't know. And it's coming from a talking cartoon. So I, it, it, there's zero anything, but I just wanted to show you because it's interesting and you start to go, hmm, let's see what happens. I don't know. I'm going to play it for you. See what you guys think. Boy, do I have some good news for you guys. I bet you the deep state is shaking in their boots right now because they're about to be exposed pretty hardcore. Keep an eye on Congress. Keep an eye on Speaker McCarthy, who once was compromised, but now is working with the good guys. You're about to see a flood of information rolling out very, very, very soon. You're about to see the hours of footage from the January 6th event, which is going to implicate the entire Democrat Party, many actors from the Republican Party that are nothing but a bunch of rhinos, the media, everybody is going to be exposed. So buckle up. It's going to be an exciting next couple weeks with the flow of information that's going to be flying out. It's going to be hard to keep up with, but we've been waiting for this moment. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's just see. I like seeing some of these things sometimes because I can see the signs, like when you're trying to determine what the weather is going to be, although I'm not a weather person, but I can only imagine. Uh, you've got signs. You've got the wind blowing. You've got maybe a little bit of dark clouds coming in. You've got uh, certain signs of things that make you think, well, maybe there's a big storm of some kind coming, right? The storm being more data and information, more from the Twitter files, more stuff on all of these different scams that have happened uh, that are done by, I think, the same players, right? So he made a prediction, this cartoon on TikTok, and uh, I just thought, hey, the sentiment is, he just summed up the sentiment of what people are sort of all secretly hoping is gonna happen. So I have zero concrete evidence that what he's saying is true. It's probably just another carrot on a stick. But that being said, that being said, um, look at what's happening right now. I mean, is it really a stretch of imagination to think that, that th that's what's happening right now with all this information coming out from everywhere that is becoming more and more undeniable by the day is just going to stop and that's not going to occur? I mean, he's got specific about January 6th, but that's just one of many instances like, is more information going to come out about all these other things as well? 
I think it's just inevitable because now public scrutiny is demanding it and more people are waking up, more people are losing loved ones. And even people who are in government, in the media, in medical health, doctors, they're experiencing it in their lives as well. And every single one of them that wakes up and gets pissed off enough is going to say, well, I know some things I'm going to come out and I'm going to go tell the world what I know. And then I, you know, here we are. So I just, let's see, let's see what happens. I'm curious. See if that's a good prediction or not. Um, so let's go back here. What else I got here? We already did that. Okay. This one's pretty, it's a pretty sad story. One of many. Let's just go through it real quick. Uh, this is posted by the husband, I believe. And he's saying, this is my beautiful wife with our incredible son. This is her death certificate. Why are the government and mainstream media still looking the other way, pretending these instance, instances didn't occur? I'm ready to talk whenever you are. I won't hold my breath. And what's interesting is right there at the bottom, it lists the cause of death on the official certified copy of the death certificate. And it's saying the conclusion was that she died due to complication of an AstraZeneca COVID vaccination. And I've seen many of these. People send me these stories all the time. People tell me this stuff in confidence. And um, more and more of it is starting to go all over social media. So for Sam Harris or any of these other clowns to start coming out and still beating the same dead horse with their argument that's been debunked and is no longer valid, this is what we're getting firsthand experience and testimony from people to prove the opposite of what they're telling us. So it's a very sad story. There's many like it, but we need to keep talking about it and showing people these stories because who else is giving these people a voice? No, what else is giving these people a voice? So you, we're going to give them a voice. You're going to talk about this. You should go and look up this gentleman's Twitter account. Let me just pull it up again for you so you know where to find him. He's been talking about this now. At Gareth Eve. Just go look up at Gareth Eve on Twitter. And uh, look into the story. And this is just one more that you can bring to people who are still closed-minded about looking at all this information. You go, what do you say to this person? When it says right on their death certificate from the doctor that you kept telling me to go see, go trust the doctor's not some blogger on the internet. Okay, we trusted the doctor. The doctor determined that it was death due to the AstraZeneca vaccination. And now we're not allowed to talk about it. And none of these victims have a voice. And now they, who were 100% following what they were told to do, are now realizing that it was a bad decision. And they've, they've lost loved ones or themselves have been damaged. I know many athletes that now they can't even run up a flight of stairs. I know paramedics. I know a lot of people. And if they even tell their own family members or people that they know or their family doctor, they're getting told that they're crazy. They're not being listed. There's no media going to knock on their doors to have their story go across the six o'clock news. Although we are seeing media start to have to cover some of these things, right? But they tend to focus on the big events like Lisa Marie Presley and the football players and all of that, which are all very questionable. But they come around with their dog hounds to go and try to go, oh, these people are always assuming it's always a vaccine. 
when it's like, come on, it's the elephant in the living room, man. We've never seen this amount of people just dying suddenly on live television or dropping dead or having a seizure on the air or having a heart attack or whatever, or all these athletes in their prime getting carted off by ambulances. One, it's like every week, every other day now. College football players, on and on we could go, shouldn't be dying of heart problems. Why not? Why are they? So these stories, they need to be heard, even though they're hard to hear. Oh, there's so many things going on too, guys. Uh, just going to quickly, this is only 27 seconds. Let's just quickly suffer through it together. And then I uh, just wanted to make a comment about it. The Miss Universe Organization. From now on, it's going to be ran by women. Owned by a trans woman. For all women. Women are clapping for this? For all women really around the world to celebrate the power of feminism. So we have an Asian man that won Miss Universe. And this man is up there saying that women, that they're standing for all women. When, if you ask women, how do you feel about, I put this tweet out and it's also going viral and I've had a lot of women comment on it that they are absolutely pissed and they've had enough of this shit. I'll show it to you in a bit. But uh, when you ask women, and I'll ask it right now, just tell me, what do you think? Forget what I think. What do you think? Women, do you feel good about what you're seeing where you have biological males moving into your sports and dominating your sports as well as now moving into your beauty industry, into your fashion galleries into your big, into Miss Universe and all these different things. And now they're winning. That's demoting women. How, how is that standing up for feminism and standing up for women? When you're literally replacing the women that otherwise would have been in those positions. And now it's filled by biological males. How do you feel about that? To me, I'm, that's an obscenity. <laughs> that's, you know, so... Unbelievable. But what do you expect? This is the age of, this is, this is, I think at the end of the day, this is not some natural curve of history. This is asymmetric warfare. This is part of this attack and assault on Western civilization. Now, just to quickly get back to the narrative crumbling and how many normies are waking up more and more by the day here. This gentleman's just pointing out something that I would 100% agree with. I'm noticing the same thing. And many other people messaging me are also noticing the same thing. And he's saying, I just had a conversation at work. People are genuinely beginning to ask questions about why so many are dying. And they are now questioning if it's the vax. And there's so many stories that are going viral, even in the mainstream, that they can't stop it. They can't stop it. And so people are now having their suspicions confirmed. And they're starting to wake up faster. Because before, they just... They didn't even go on Rumble. They didn't even go on alternative platforms. But now that we have Twitter, where people aren't being censored and they're bringing people back all the time, it's a problem. It's becoming a real problem for them to keep this narrative contained. So that's good news. That's good news. Uh, what else do I got here? Oh, this was interesting. Uh, this is from another good Twitter account, Seek for Truth. He's saying revealed the World Economic Forum membership costs 19000 
but you cannot attend unless your organization is also a member. And that costs between 60 to 600K a year. In total, it costs 79,000 per delegate plus the cost of flights, accommodation, and meals for their private entourages. And Schwab and the World Economic Forum are making a minimum of $213 million, and that would be the most controversial estimate. And this comes from globalresearch.ca. So you can go and check out the article. Oh, it may be unsafe. Okay, whatever. It might be unsafe to hear information that you can determine for yourself as to whether or not you're going to believe it or think it's true, which is protecting your feelings. Uh, but yeah, check it out. Interesting thread. I'm curious about that. I want to follow the money and see just how much money these people are raking in because they got multiple scams running at once because these are professional con artists. Oh, now, okay. I like this uh, little video. It's real short. This is Paul Check. I interviewed him a few years back. He's great with health, mental health, physical health, a brilliant guy. Uh, this was uh, shared by Jason Kristoff. You can go follow Jason on Twitter there, at Jason Kristoff6. <laughs> is it the sixth Twitter account he's had to do? I don't know. But anyways, let's uh, hear about this. So this is just filling in, or this is bringing to uh, your attention, once again, how we got to such a dumbed down state as a society that the dumbing down of our society, our countries, our children was, I believe, done by design. And it starts with the education system. It starts with the media and the information they're exposed to. So Paul Cech just has a, a few insights here on that front. So let's go with that. Now, children are exposed to education if their parents are wise and healthy, i.e. if their parents are wise men and wise women, children get educated. If they're not, they get indoctrinated. There's a big difference. Our education system teaches people what to think, not how to think. If you study the history of our education system, Ken Wilber goes into this quite deeply if you want a resource. Our education system is still the exact system that was developed by warlords and plantation owners to control slaves. It was developed specifically to keep the kids busy so they could get more works out of the slaves, more hours out of them, and to train the children not to be creative, not to think for themselves, and to follow orders. That is exactly what your education system is today. And now, children are exposed. That's it. He nailed it. He nailed it. So well done, Paul. Make sure your children are getting a good education um, and not just their reading, writing and arithmetic. That's important, but giving them a good moral compass, giving them a good sense of who they are, introducing them to their potential, showing them what real health is, what freedom really is, what uh, wealth creation really is, what family really is, what a country really is. Like we have to educate the children because that's the battleground that these globalists are fighting on. They don't care that you and I know what's happening. They are assuming that the vast majority of adults are not going to make it through this cycle because of the things that they've done. And that those that are left, yes, are probably the people who resisted a lot of their nonsense, but they don't care about us. They're investing in the future and they say it all the time. We're investing in the future, the future, the future, the future. What do you think they're talking about? The future generations. That's why there's TikTok exists. That's why... Uh, the YouTube algorithms are the way that they are 
That's why the Cartoon Network is what it is. That's why Netflix is what it is. That's why this barrage of programming is hitting your children now on all levels. And unless parents are actively engaged in countering that and teaching the child properly, and I know it's challenging, but we have to. We have to save the minds of our children. So hashtag save the children means a lot more. It's, it's in full spectrum we have to save these children. Save their minds. Because they're expecting us to die out and they want to alter the human species moving forward and they're targeting the young generation because that's who's going to make this happen for them. They know they're not going to pull this off in our lifetimes, which is why they're trying to knock us off and they're focusing all of their arrows on the minds of your children. It starts in the education system and it starts at home. So get active with your kids, my friends. It's very, very, very crucial. That's the best thing you can do. If you don't know what else to do in this fight, start there. That's a really good place to start. Um, oh yeah, just go back to here. I had a few more to go through with you guys. I just got to find my spot again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are all good. Okay, let's move up to the next one. Oh, Lee Fang. Yeah, there's. I just told you guys to go follow that. Check that out. Now, here we go. This is depopulation, okay? We've spoken about this for a while on this show about why and what they believe, and we have to get an understanding of it. And they've openly talked about this for decades, okay? And you got to start asking, I asked this question in Cult of the Medics. We have elites, billionaires, scientific organizations, roundtables like the Club of Rome, the World Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and friends, and all these different people for decades now openly talking about how overpopulation is the biggest problem. And that all these other things like climate change and pandemics and uh, terrorism and whatever else, the Trump poverty is all a result of overpopulation. If you really pin them down and get them to admit the foundation of what they're afraid of and what they're doing this for, their PR is going to be, it's because of overpopulation. And they've admitted it. So for us to speculate on this as being depopulation is not in any way a crazy, wacky conspiracy theory. It's because it's openly out there. So let's just hear one example of this. This is the founder of CNN, Ted Turner. Take it away, Ted. Change is really a global issue, and countries like China and India are projected to be the biggest producers of carbon emissions over the next decade. Yeah, well, China is very, very close to it right now. So what should the U.S. be doing to figure out the global dynamics here? Basically, there's a lot of people thinking of it, thinking about it, and, and, and working on it. I'm, I am, and uh, uh, it's we, we just got we got to keep with it. We can't really afford to lose this one. And it's not just climate change. Climate change is a symptom of overpopulation, and too many people use it too much stuff. If we, what we have to do is we've got to stabilize the population, uh, and, and 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 quickly because we can't handle nine billion people. With six point seven billion, when I was born in 1938, there were only two billion people in the world. In, in, in the lifetime of one person in those 70 years, we've increased the number of people on the planet by three and a half times. That's, that's gigantic. Nothing like that ever, ever happened before. If we'd have had that many more elephants, for Christ's sake, we'd all be elephant dung. You know? <laughs> so we've got, to, uh, we've got to go. What we really need to do, and Paul Ehrlich, I don't know he's around, but he, he's involved here, I think. I, I read the population bomb 30 years ago, and uh, he, he feels like, because I talked to him, I had him about for a weekend 30 years ago uh, when I was doing my research on population. And uh, he thought that the world population ought to be between two and two and a half billion people. That with that, we could support, uh, you know, internal combustion engines. That there wouldn't be so many people 
that overwhelm the, uh, the, the resource base. The, the planet's collapsing all around us. The ocean fisheries are collapsing from overfishing. There's the topsoil the, 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 uh, top is eroding away uh, from farming, the kind of farming that we do where we plow and, and wind is, and uh, water erosion are washing the, washing the topsoil away. We've got to take better care of the planet uh, because without, without uh, a healthy environment, it's the population's not going to make it. And with, and with that 6.7 billion uh, population, there's a billion people going to bed hungry tonight. What are we going to do if we had two or three billion more people? And that's where we're headed if we keep uh, going the way that we're, that we're going. So we have to do that first because that's the most important thing. And, and we, or we have to do it simultaneously. We're going to have to multitask. We're going to have to stop doing the dumb things and start doing the smart things. And we've got to start with you. Your, your generation has got to be the one that does it because if you wait till another generation before you start turning things around, it's going to be too late. So, and, and, and global warming or climate change is just... Uh, one symptom of a sick planet because of too many people using too much stuff. So there it is. There it is. We have to, you got to show this kind of stuff to your normie friends because we have to at least move the discussion from if they believe that there's too many human beings and that they're actively engaging in depopulation programs and have been since at least the sixties and seventies. Um, that's not the argument because they're admitting that that's what they need to do. And how do you really think? You think they're just proposing this, this problem over and over again, from Rockefeller to this, to that, to the Club of Rome, to all these globalists. It's written in stone in Georgia until it got blown up, which is, I'm still wondering what happened with that. But we need to get people around the idea that this, this argument, now we have to have the argument is, do you agree with them? Do you agree with them? And then if they say yes, then we have to have that discussion. Well, who gets to make the decision of who gets to stay and who goes? What's the real scientific evidence that you have that what Ted Turner is talking about and what Bill Gates has openly said and so many others have said? Are they really actually correct in, in their analysis? Do they themselves actually believe this? I'll bet you a lot of them do, but could it be that they know that this is just... There's a desired aim, which is a small global population, which can be much more easily controlled. And that all of this is just the way that they appeal to everybody's sensibility to justify what that entails. Like, I don't know if people understand if he's talking about, now he's saying there are two to 3 billion, but he's had other statements where he said, we need it down to, you know, 1 billion or even 500 million. And that's what it said on the Georgia Guidestones, 500 million. They looked at it as a natural law. And so I just say, okay, if they've been actively researching the population problem since at least, let's just start with Paul Ehrlich's book on the population bomb and the Club of Rome and the whole Rio summit and the entire thing, it's what's underlying the climate thing. When you realize the climate thing is cover for the depopulation thing, it just all starts to make sense, regardless of the debate of the climate. That's a separate debate. Their solution is depopulation. So how do you think they're going to do that? If they're saying they want to do it, if they're saying it's a, it's a crisis that we're up against a clock unless we do something about it, and we got to do it, he said, we got to do it in your generation. I don't know how old this was, but it's recent enough. So that means they're doing it in our generation. How would they do it? Would they open up depopulation clinics all over the place? And would you go down and take your kids? Like, how do you, 
How do you think, like, think of, you're sitting around the board. Let's say you believe this or you're, it's part of a big nefarious agenda. It doesn't matter how you look at it. Maybe you believe it. You sit around the table and you go, guys, we got to chop the human population down, which is over 7 billion people down to like 2 billion people. That's a lot of people that need to go. That's a lot of people that need to go. And that we found through this Club of Rome supercomputer that we built in the 70s and they calculated all this out for us, we found that unless we do it before 2030, the planet won't exist anymore or we won't achieve our other agendas that we don't really want to admit to. Either way, we magically find ourselves in this pandemic scenario. And here we are wondering, why are they not rolling back these jabs? Like they did it in the 70s. They rolled the jabs back when they killed less than 10 people. Why aren't they rolling these jabs back? Well, the people that are sponsoring and financing the World Economic Forum, your media, your social media, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation's everywhere, and he's just a minion working for other guys, other groups. They're behind both. They're behind, they're talking, they're the same people that are telling you the climate stuff. They're the same people telling you the COVID stuff. They're the same people telling you the depopulation thing. They're all saying the same things. Do you honestly believe that the most wealthy, powerful people and organizations and institutions in the world are going to openly talk about depopulation for decades, saying they have a timer that is going to go off in 2030 and beyond, so we have, a, we have a target date that we have to hit, and they keep saying it over and over again, and they publish scientific studies, and they build and they finance entire institutions to push that through, and all these guys have stakes in the big cult of the medics pharma machine. And people aren't able to connect that very simple dot that if they say they need to do it and they even get specific with you as to the target date that they need to achieve it by and even the number they need to achieve and they're putting billions of dollars behind organizations to continue that research and that program is it's, why is that so crazy to believe that they're actually doing what they said they needed to do? Like, that's not, that's not wild speculation. That's just rationality. That's just, okay, well, at least we got to have some questions now. So this is the way I talk to people. I just start pulling out things like this. I'm trying to appeal to their basic common sense, their basic logic. They want to all tiptoe through peer-reviewed studies and advance equations and advance this and that and go to, and you're like, no, 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 you're stuck in the weeds and you should look into those things. But most importantly, just think about it in terms of common sense. He said it, many others have said it. Here we are. Is there a connection? Like, let's investigate it. It's very simple. Now. Nice little clip here from uh, Dr. Sukarit Bhakti. It's about one minute. And he's saying they've broken every rule of the Nuremberg Code. I just want to play what he has to say here because it's really interesting. So here we go. Uh, molded in the Nuremberg Codex. If anything is under experimental use, if an experiment is ongoing as it is right now, we are at the R&D stage, then... Whenever something happens that is a clear indication 
that that agent that is being administered to the experimental group is causing illness and death, it has to be stopped. And you must first delve into the question of whether it could be the reason. Now, we are not talking about one or two or three cases. We're talking about thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of cases of serious adverse events. And so, for this simple reason, if the propagators and the instigators of this whole vaccine madness cannot show that it is not due to the vaccine, it must be stopped on the spot. It's just way too logical for the scientific medical community or people like Sam Harris to understand. So, you know, just expect that. But it's not too logical for you guys. I'm sure we've got that understood. But I just thought when I see medical experts coming out and talking like this, even if they're not aware of the whole story, I'm so grateful because we've got scores of these people that are saying the same thing. It's common sense that they would have stopped it. And the fact that they aren't tells you there's something else happening here. So there you go. Um, and here you go, RFK. He's going to break it down even more. The death rates from this vaccine are, there's been more deaths in eight months than in all the billions of vaccines combined over the last 30 years. From this one vaccine, 17,000 recorded deaths in the United States, and we know the death rates are much, much higher than that. Probably 40 times the best math, the best you know studies are showing that it's 40 times that. So, um, you know, the risks from the vaccine are, uh, they're completely untenable. If people knew the truth, they would, not be taking this vaccine. And then the benefits of the vaccine are apparently zero or even sub-zero after six months. Uh, the British data is showing that the people who are vaccinated are actually more likely in many age categories to, uh, to get COVID than people who are unvaccinated, so, which, by the way, was predicted. Now, we know that Pfizer knew this was going to happen because in their clinical trial, there were among, in a six-month clinical trial, it was only six months, at the end of that people period, 20 people died in the vaccine group and only 14 in the placebo group of all-cause mortality. The, there were five heart attacks in the vaccine group and only one in the placebo group. So the, your chance of dying of a heart attack from that vaccine, according to their own studies, is 500% greater than if you're unvaccinated. So they knew we were going to kill a lot of people. And they did it anyway. And people need to be able to see those studies and um, and understand the deception, this you know, criminal deception that has uh, been imposed upon them. Yes, he's just basically reiterating... I know what we all have seen and watched with our own eyes, but again, I know there's new people waking up to this all the time. It's just unbelievable to think about it, right? But here we are. Um, I had somebody uh, do a donation over on the foxhole. I'm not seeing it posted there, but whoever that was, thank you so much. Much appreciated. 
But yeah, let's just uh, keep moving through. Only a few more left. Here's a, Okay, so this is a follow-up uh, with Dr. John Campbell, who I played in a previous show where we were seeing his evolution of him waking up to this on his YouTube channel from day one. And day one, he was all for it. He was, you know, traditionally trained doctor, felt like he could trust these World Health Organizations and all these different government agencies and the pharmaceutical, he was kind of on board and you watch him change by him going on his channel. I remember following his channel on and off throughout the whole thing. And uh, he would just pull out the data, the raw data and just go through it. And I remember there were so many points where he would literally, while he's going through it, be like, this is just not making any sense. And it, on and on we go. So this is just his recap. He's on there with, uh, I think it's John Oliver and very interesting. When I first started off covering the pandemic, um, looking back, I, I tended to believe what the chief medical officer and the chief scientific officer and the prime minister said. Surely they have our best interest at heart. And you, you believe, you, I believe the, the official notifications from the government. And to begin with, I, I think their intentions were quite good. But then other vested interests uh, did creep into that fairly quickly. We know we had scandals over over personal protective equipment and how those contracts were awarded. But as time has gone on, and there's been further evidence has accumulated. So now, for example, we know that the, the risk from COVID-19, the risk of dying from COVID-19 is massively less than it was. And we do know that there's more side effects from the vaccines than we were previously thought. So this has changed the risk-benefit analysis. And the trouble is the government guidelines don't seem to have changed with the risk-benefit analysis. So I, I really feel that um, have, having gone from just believing what the government says, now um, it's really hard to believe very much of what the government says because they seem to, have been, they seem to be stuck in this sort of um, rut almost that they can't get out of without admitting that they've been wrong in the past. And because I've spent all my life working with patients, we know this is about men and women, boys and girls. You know, this is actually personal to, 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 to me, to my family, to you, your family, and all the people that we, we represent and we live within the community. And um, th there has been a, a great sort of um, d disappointment, really, in my breakdown of trust of the official narrative. And that has been quite, um, to be quite honest, that, that's been quite traumatic. I've gone from a position where you think our leaders have our best interest in heart, heart to now wondering really what, where the heck some of these decisions are coming from. Because when I look at the ongoing evidence, I often come to very different conclusions than the, the official guidelines say. So if you look on the official guidelines now on the NHS, it's still... Yeah. So just seeing people realizing this because it doesn't make any sense. So yeah, we need more, more voices and there it is. I think that's, uh, is there, I think I had one more. Yeah. Let's do this one real quick from Dr. Mike Eden. He's got a few things to say as well. Let's just try to squeeze all these into one show here. Uh, wait a second. I just got to turn this back down. There we go. All right. I think this is a more recent interview with uh, Michael Eden. Three, three things, three bits of evidence that I think, I don't think 
anyone can rebut what I'm going to say, but will, it provides compelling evidence that this is not to do with public health, but control. If this was to do with public health, there's three groups you would not give these medicine, these so-called vaccines to. Those who've been infected and recovered. There is no dispute, not even with governments and their advisors, that those people are now immune. And that they actually have better immunity than you can get from a vaccine because their body has dealt with all of the components of the organism, the sticking at the spike bit, the coat, the capsid, the nuclear proteins, everything. And you've got immune responses to all of it. So you shouldn't be injecting those people. You definitely shouldn't be injecting pregnant women. Why? Well, most people can remember the word thalidomide. About 60 years ago, it was discovered that this morning sickness tablet caused birth malformations in, in children. They would be born with short limbs or missing limbs. So ever since then, we realized that the developing fetus is not protected in mother's womb, but in fact, at certain points, very vulnerable to chemical, external chemical threats. And as a result, most during my life, uh, most, most pregnant women would avoid even taking an ibuprofen or a, you know, a, a tablet for a headache. Most of them would even choose not to do that. So why would you inject a gene-based technology whose um, long-term safety is not understood, for which no reproductive toxicology testing have been done? None. They just literally haven't done it. So no idea. And yet, all around the world, certainly the British, the British government, the Royal College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, would appear on the on the BBC and say it's perfectly safe. I saw them do it on telly, and I remember saying to my wife, "That person's lying. They don't. Those tests have not been done. They cannot possibly make that assurance with any uh, integrity." But they were doing the same in America, same in France. So, and then here's the third thing: uh, you would never expose uh, healthy youngsters to to this, these materials because. Not a single child, not a single previously healthy child acquired this infection and died anywhere. I've not been able to find a single example in America, UK, Germany or Sweden. Obviously, if they were already sick, sadly, some children do die periodically, some of whom would have had this, this, this infection on board. But I don't think there's any evidence they were killed by it. And not a single previously healthy child acquired it and died. So please, parents. Don't let anyone tell you that your child needs, quotes, protecting uh, with this vaccine. One, they're not at risk from the virus. Uh, and two, they've not done any safety studies in neonates, you know, in, in young animals. They've no idea. Um, you know, anyway, so I rest my case that if this was to do with public health, you wouldn't have done any of the things they're doing. And you can't come up with a benign explanation. I cannot. That's because... There is no explanation other than that. There is no benign explanation. So just those are good videos to, again, share out to people who are still just realizing. And again, there's so many of these videos where people are collecting um, reports of sudden death, young, old athletes, boys, girls, medical situations, Cardiac arrest in a bathroom of an 18-year-old. Guy has a heart attack after rugby, basketball, uh, baseball. Just dies suddenly. It's just everywhere. So the evidence is everywhere and nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody at the top wants to talk about it because they know, I think, what's really going on. So keep up the pressure, guys. I think we're going to win this. Here it is from Emerald Robinson. She summed it up perfectly. They lied about COVID origins and gain of function. They lied about vaccine safety and secret ingredients. 
They lied about masks and lockdowns. They paid hospitals and doctors to not treat you. Maybe it's time to admit that death is the side effect that they want for you. Because honestly, what other conclusion could you come to? I, I don't know. Like, do you have a better explanation? But hey, this is what was trending when I pulled this up. We got Bonnie Henry's trending. The World Economic Forum is trending, and Nuremberg Two is trending. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Nice little meme here. They purposely overcounted COVID deaths to scare you. Now they are purposely undercounting COVID vaccine deaths not to scare you. See how this works? It's selective. The science is selective, which means it's not science. And there you go, guys. Go and check out chapter nine of Cult of the Medics. It's on my Rumble. It's on Rockfin. It's on, it's even surviving my YouTube channel. Um, it's on BitChute few other platforms, getting a lot of good reviews and a really good tool to help wake people up. You can watch it for free. You can download it at cultofthemedics.com. And uh, anything you can do to help me share this out is greatly appreciated. You can also leave a donation there if you find value from it and you want to help sponsor these, this ongoing research project. I'd actually like to get out on location in, in the future for certain films. So uh, everything helps. And thanks to everybody who helped me uh, get this out far and wide and all of those who contributed the research to help make it possible as well as my amazing sponsor for that project rise attire you can go to cultofmedics.com actually we'll just go zip over there real quick you got the premier here about the series donations there's a good interview and there we go you can browse the collection uh not sure when they're going to be finalizing the new line that they're bringing in but i'm really excited about it so you're going to be adding more designs to the mix so stay tuned for that. And that's that. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Don't let all this stuff get you down. Just remember what C.S. Lewis said. We can't change the beginning, but we can change the end. Just start where we are. Where are we right now? Make little steps every day for yourself, for your family. Save the mind of your kids. Teach them the values that are lost in our culture right now. Teach them about truth and freedom and teach them about how they can be the ones that give themselves the gift of health by daily activities, right sleep, right diet, eating healthy, healthy mindset. These are the things we need to instill in our children. We need to keep appealing to those who are on the inside as all this continues to unfold, create space for people who may have even been against you, who are now waking up to continue waking up. If people who are waking up right now are seeing that our side of this is just nothing but belligerent to them and, and all of that, then it, we're, we're just going to end up in massive civil war all over the world. Um, we need to be the ones that create the space to allow for this dialogue to continue and take the higher road. It, it, our whole world is at stake at this point. Um, and then let's make sure that those responsible are brought to justice. And that can happen if we get enough people continuously, nonstop, shouting the truth, sharing the facts over and over again. Don't ever give up. Keep looking into it. Keep researching it. And uh, just don't stop talking about it. I think that's, that's really what's helping. That's what's being effective right now. Don't get in that hopeless state of mind. I'll never be in that mindset on this show with you. I'm not a black-pilled person. This is about... We have a big problem on our hands. Absolutely. 
probably the biggest problem our species has ever faced. But that doesn't mean we can't get through it. And we can get through it together. So stick together, find your tribe, find the people that uh, you can align with. And um, let's get out there and kick these globalists ass, shall we? Especially right now, I'm curious to see more of this stuff coming from this recent Davos thing. Curious to see how the media reacts. And I'm curious to see what kind of information is going to be dropping over the next weeks. Um, I think things are about to heat up. So uh, stay the course, stay frosty, don't live in fear, and truth is going to win in the end. Thank you, everybody. Make sure to catch us on Earth Chronicles this Wednesday and go check out unslaved.com. We've done some amazing interviews and projects and premiums over there. Uh, we've also just revamped the website a little bit, added some more features. So go check us out and I'll catch you back here real soon on Truthware. Have a good one, my friends. Cheers.